what are you worried? What are you worried about the Constitution of Wyoming and the United States of America if you're on a city council in a small town? Really, who would pay any attention to that crusty old document? It's not like it says what cities and towns can or can't do or anything like that. These morons in the media have no idea what they're talking about. Come on, let's go. And welcome to yet another incredible installment of Morning Reload. From very high above, all other puerile and insipid forms of Wyoming mainstream media, this is Cowboy State Politics. I, of course, am your illustrious host, David Iverson, firmly ensconced behind the silver Cowboy State Politics microphone and broadcasting to you from the base of the Bighorns, in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming. Good morning, my friends, and welcome to the program. Rarely does the radio media in Wyoming get any criticism whatsoever. The vast majority of them are of one opinion, and rarely do any of them disagree with one another. The truth is, you couldn't find a better example of groupthink if you tried to. We began the program with veteran Sheridan Media personality Ron Richter, winner of the 2022 Wyoming Association of Broadcasters Best Local Talk Award. How does he accomplish all of his greatness while at the same time lacking the ability to read? Last Friday, Ron Richter and two of his buddies at Sheridan Media took a few minutes of their open line Friday to openly criticize... Sheridan City Council members Kristen Jennings and Andy Patzig for voting against the 2023 budget. They did that because there was a number of things in the budget that they considered to be absolutely unconstitutional. You know, like giving taxpayer dollars to private organizations. Ron and his pals were all bent out of shape because Patzig and Jennings decided that they would pay attention to the oath they took when they were sworn into office. Because they have principles and they choose not to give your money to everybody else's pet projects. Projects that are entirely private and are clearly outside the confines of what the Wyoming Constitution allows municipalities to do with 1% funds. This is a problem across the state of Wyoming. Many localities give 1% dollars to all sorts of things that are prohibited by the Wyoming Constitution simply because they are city councils or county commissioners, and up to this point, nobody has really questioned them on it, except, of course, for a vocal minority in just about every Wyoming town that think that perhaps we should pay attention to what the Constitution actually says. I don't know, maybe pick it up and read it from time to time? Or perhaps, as a sitting city council member, that you should pay attention to the oath you took, The one that was signed by a judge and notarized? Now, why would we go to such lengths to make such a document official if it didn't mean anything? And while we're at it, why don't I just read the oath of office that all city council people in Wyoming take? Quote, 
I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will support, obey, and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the State of Wyoming, that I have not knowingly violated any law related to my election or appointment or caused it to be done by others, and that I will discharge the duties of my office with fidelity. End quote. So what was it that veteran broadcaster Ron Richter said again? What are, you wor- what are you worried about the Constitution of Wyoming and the United States of America if you're on a city council in a small town? Why indeed? I mean, it couldn't be that you took an oath to support and defend it or anything. Well, anyhow, after hearing that on my road trip from Sheridan to Buffalo last Friday, I decided that we should get Kristen Jennings and Andy Patzig together and give them a chance to respond to this idiocy coming from Sheridan Media. And we'll do that after I tell you about today's sponsors. Morning Reload is brought to you by the Buffalo Wool Company. They make the most incredible socks that I've ever worn. I'm telling you, my friends, wool, contrary to popular belief, is not just something that you wear in the winter. While it will keep your feet nice and warm in those cold winter Wyoming months, it will also keep your feet cool and dry in the summer. So if you want a pair of the most incredible socks, go to the website, thebuffalowoolco.com, and get you a pair of the most incredible socks that you're ever going to buy. That's the Buffalo Wool Company. New Trend Hats is your Wyoming source for all types of headwear. They make those really cool hats with the ponytail hole on the back of them. They have a huge selection of hats for both men and women. So go to their website, newtrendhats.com. So as I was telling you before the break, after I calmed down a little bit on Friday, I got Sheridan City Council members Kristen Jennings and Andy Patzig together so they could at the very least hear what was said about them on Sheridan Media and also to give them a chance to respond. So here's my discussion with those silly people that pay attention to the Constitution. So I was driving home from Sheridan. I had to come over and pick up a couple of chairs from my dear mother, and I'm cruising down the interstate, and I'm listening to Sheridan Media, which I hardly ever listen to those fools for reasons that are going to become perfectly, perfectly clear. And I hear them say a couple of things about two Sheridan City Councilmen. So I thought we'd have them on the program and just see what uh, their response would be. So joining us on the program today is Councilwoman Kristen Jennings. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Uh, Councilman Andy Patzig. Oh, thank you very much for having us. So, of course, you guys deserve a, a chance to rebut what those morons said on Sheridan Media. And I thought we'd also throw in Representative Ken Pendergraft, since we happen to be sitting in his house. <laughs> Firebombed in the morning. <laughs> so, welcome to the program, guys. Where I'd like to start, guys, is the, the most, well, the first offensive thing I heard on the radio this morning. So, Ken, go ahead and play that for us. I will. I'm going to preface it, though. I know it's your show, but you invited me, so put up with it. Um, Remember, uh, Representative. <laughs> I'm going to I want to put this in context. They're talking about a poll question and completely different topic. And one of the speakers, who will name himself so I don't have to, one of the speakers interjects a snipe at these two council people. And so you'll hear it for yourself. Here it goes. Question was, the yeah, the first Northern Bank of Wyoming poll question, do you think renewable energy is playing a significant role in tackling climate change? Uh, 80% said no, 362 votes 
Um, and 15% said yes, 70 votes, and there were uh, 4% that uh, were undecided. So uh, the undecided <laughs> almost up there with the... The yes, no, the yes, the 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 overwhelmingly it was no. Oh, Excuse you know what surprised yes. me about this the most though. You know, two of those no votes came from uh, Councilman Andrew Patchick and Kristen Jennings because they vote no on everything. <laughs> so you know, do you guys vote no on everything? <laughs> no, but I might start. It is See, significant though that they voted with the majority of the folks in Sheridan by a long way. <laughs> if, if if indeed you did vote no on that. <laughs> Yeah, I just throw that out. Your your show. So do you guys? You guys do vote no a lot, though, right? Yeah, I I look at it this way. Uh, when you ask the person, the regular person on the street, do you think that the government, that the majority of the stuff that the government does is good and that they should be doing it? Most people would tell you no. In which case, I simply reply, well, then I think that you'd be voting no on a lot of stuff too, if you had the the power and the uh, position to do it. Well, that's, that's exactly the point. You know, if, if the majority of things that come before the council are bad, then you should vote no on them, right? And from what I've seen from the Sheridan City Council, there are a lot of things that are the furthest thing from conservative that spend taxpayer dollars where it's not needed, waste taxpayer dollars, make new parks and new, new trails. Of course you're going to vote no on those. And quite frankly, guys, like I am, I am much happier with a representative or an elected official that, that says no more often than they do yes. Because there are very, very few things that the government actually ought to be doing. And building trails and parks is not one of those. Correct. Yeah, I mean, I do appreciate the, the amenities that our town has, but, um, you know, I was brought into this recently. I've been a, a councilor for, or a council member for about six months now, and or going on it, and um, I, I do appreciate the things that our town has to offer, but when I campaigned for this position, I, I went door to door to door to door for the entire summer saying that I'm a constitutionalist and I'm a conservative and that I'm going to approach those, uh, subjects from that perspective. And well, frankly, I like what we've got. Let's keep it, let's maintain it, but, uh, let's focus, um, our back on the core needs and what the core duties of a municipality are. You're not suggesting that you're you're actually doing what you promised your constituents you would do, are you? <laughs> Apparently, I'm getting in trouble for it, too. <laughs> From a conservative's perspective, yeah, it's nice to have all these amenities and, and that. And we've gone through many years of gravy. Mm-hmm. We've had a lot of cash that was out there. And this is true at the state level as well. But there comes a point when you have to maintain all this stuff and when the income drops off and you're trying to maintain all these luxuries you can find yourself upside down in a hurry so the constitutionalist and the conservative person would look at this and say it's wise not to spend everything we've got let's start laying some back so that we can take care of ourselves and even things out so we can afford to have the snow pushed away when it when we're broke. Now, mm-hmm. Ken, according to the, the five other members of the Sheridan City Council, you just said another dirty word. Oh, I'm sure I did. Hit play. No, they voted no on this, of course. I just thought I'd throw that out there. Just just they get, me. To give your two cents. Just me. So Just me. They vote no on everything, so I figure they probably vote are, no are, on this. Are, uh, Trevor, uh, is, is it safe to say that you're a disgruntled constituent? Or, and, and sarcastic at the same time. No. Can you tell? Not you. 
Well, I just heard the story the other day. Okay. About the, uh, Ron had the uh, budget discussion. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm, I'm shaking my head going, if you're a council person or you're a mayor who has a vote as a count, kind of a council person as well, what's your job? Well, what the is no your job? Who, that was your on the budget, not wasn't to, it? Uh, your yes. job is not to go, you know, what are you, wor- what are you worried about the Constitution of Wyoming and the United States of America if you're on a city council in a small town? Why are you worried about the Constitution, Kristen and Aunt <laughs> Andy Patzig? Um, because it, it's the foundation of our country. I mean, obviously, Judeo-Christian principles, but it's the, it's the political foundation of our country. And that's everything from the federal level to the dog catcher. There has to be a base for what you measure your votes against. And if there's nothing there, you'll vote for anything. Yeah, our founding fathers set the foundation for this country, and each state, uh, to the best of my knowledge, has followed suit by adopting their own constitutions. And um, well, there was a lot of wisdom in that original, in those original documents, and uh, including ours back back from 1890. And um, when it comes down to it, uh, the paradigm that I represented and have been striving for was a government government that's small enough to fit in the constitution. So if you don't have the limitations um, placed by the Constitution, then you can vote for just about anything, and and really you're uh, in that position, kind of a rudderless ship. (laughs) The truth is that your liberties are much more likely to be taken away by a small small municipal government or a small county government. That's absolutely right. And, you know, that all of these questions should begin with the Constitution. Is is what you're trying to do, does it fit within the constitutional framework? And if it does, well, then we can move to the next question of, you know, maybe whether, whether we can afford it or not. But it se- it's baffling to me that these two, these three people on Sheridan Media, I mean, they flat say you shouldn't be focused on the Constitution. I mean, I think I'd be very worried about those those three people trying to run government. Yeah, the Constitution is the framework for the law. It's the bedrock. It establishes the principles of how things are to be done. And the Wyoming Constitution, we'll get into that shortly, is pretty clear about several things. Um, one of the issues that will also come up is that we have the judiciary, which is, they're doing just like Satan. Yeah, I said that. <laughs> they're doing just like Satan in the Garden of Eden. When he says to Eve, did God really say that as soon as you eat, you'll die? I thought that was a Facebook fact checker. (laughs) (laughs) Try to say that three times fast in a straight face. Let's listen to a little bit more. Your job is to make sure that stuff runs here. You know, that we have all these great nonprofits that the city and the county give money to. You know, dog the hub on Smith, really? Because I'll bet you go down there at lunchtime, walk in there at lunchtime. Get up on the stage and announce what he said on the radio, and there will be a whole bunch of seniors. Andy, what did you say? Essentially, did you dog the Hub on Smith? No. In fact, I think that a lot of the stuff that the Hub on Smith does is great, and I think that um, what they bring to the community is great. The only um, 
the only point of issue that I might take is whether or not the government has the responsibility to be funding what they do. There's a lot of different agencies that do amazing things that aren't necessarily right for the government to be funding them. That doesn't mean that they don't do great things and help people. That's part of what the constitutional argument is, is what is the proper role of government? Exactly. And in, in, to a conservative constitutionalist, the proper role of government should be as small as possible. I love the expression you said earlier about having a government small enough to fit inside the Constitution. We need to start thinking that way again. Instead of thinking, this is what we'd like to do, the Constitution seems to say that maybe we shouldn't do that, back to my Adam and Eve parallel. So how do we get around that? How do we twist the words? How do we come in sideways and make it okay? And that's how we've been governing at city and state and federal levels for far too long. Oh, I think in the case that that Andy and Kristen were voting no, I mean, the, the reasons why you guys are voting no, I mean, I think it's clear cut that municipalities all across Wyoming are violating the Constitution. So Andy, I saw you looking through a copy of the Constitution earlier. Why don't you go ahead and read the passage that you've been um, that you've been thinking about, and the one that the the main reason why you voted against the budget? Yeah, well, when I started on with council, um, just like anybody else who starts a new job, they should probably look to see if there's a job manual. And um, the best I can tell for being a, a an elected official, especially part of a governing body, um, you should you should look to uh, the U.S. Constitution and the state constitution as part of your job manual. And so actually, uh, in one of my earlier conversations with Representative Jennings, um, Kristen's father, was uh, he pointed me to Article 16 of the Wyoming Constitution. It's, it's actually Article 16, Section 6. And it's talking about the loan credit donations, and it's saying it's prohibited. And the, the actual language says, neither the state nor any county, city, township, town, school district, or any other political subdivision shall loan or give its credit or make donations to or in aid of any individual, association, or corporation except, and here's the one exception, for the necessary support of the poor. And one of the important things about that is a lot of different people might have different interpretations of what the necessary support of the poor is. This being part of uh, the original language of uh, the Constitution for the state of Wyoming, you have to interpret it in terms of what that would mean from 1890, not necessarily what um, the government provides people today. I don't, I don't think that passage is vague at all. I mean, it, I mean, I agree with you that maybe we could have a different interpretation of what necessary help for the poor is. Okay, fair enough. What constitutes poor. But, uh, you know, we just went through this same battle in Johnson County, or in in Buffalo, actually. I mean, we were giving 1% funds to all sorts of non-profits, and non-profits is in big, huge quotation marks. And one of the proposals, and this is what set off the dispute in Buffalo, is the city was about to give 1% dollars to the Occidental Hotel to fix their roof. Wow. And so what what Buffalo did is they set up a a whole board just to deal with 1% funds. And a lot of those those donations or grants or whatever you want to call it, they were scaled way back to where... And I I still might argue with some of the things that they give money um, to. I mean, there's the Boys and Girls Club and there's a couple of other things. Uh, Yeah, that... 
the why. Remember when we were having the, the tax fight a year or two ago, probably two years ago, and they wanted to raise taxes, and one of the big things they wanted to give money to was the YMCA. Yeah. When at the same time, there's a private individual trying to run his own gym, trying to compete with this. It is absurd that the government is going to go around and pick winners and losers and then reward them. Okay, so let's get back to the budget, like the whole reason why I corralled you guys on a Friday <laughs> evening to do this. So, Kristen, like, give me some examples of groups or nonprofits or projects or whatever that the city of Sheridan wants to give your 1% dollars to. Well, um, there's there's a list in there, and I, I think to preface it, there's, you know, to be fair— Andy and I didn't vote against every single one-cent fund request that came in. We voted against the ones that um, were probably more, uh, you know, the ones that we voted for were more human health related. Um, So if it was art or amenities, you know, listen, our no vote, again, does not in any way say that... um, we are against what these people are doing. My no vote simply means that I believe that money should be back in the, in the pockets of the taxpayer and they should decide if they want that nonprofit to succeed in this town, if it's something that's truly needed. And I don't know that you could qualify the hub. They do great work, but I don't know that you could qualify them as the necessary need of the poor. Are they, anytime somebody comes in to eat lunch there, are they getting their their tax return so they can, you know, see that Is they're actually poor? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, so, so when we say the hub, it's not that, again, that they're not doing good work. But here's the thing. The hub is getting rent-free building. The hub is getting $80,000 in um, one-cent funding. The hub is now also getting... $100,000 in fuel subsidies for the public transportation. Nobody signed them up and said, you have to absolutely do this public transportation. They chose to do it. Now it's not being profitable. And so the answer is to come to the city and, and get money. Again, I'm not saying in any way, shape or form that that they're doing anything wrong. I'm simply saying, you know what? That money should be back in our pockets so that when there's a call out that says, hey, we're doing public transportation and, you know, right now we're struggling a little bit because fuel prices are through the roof. Um, The public can say, you know what, I had an extra $10 or I won't buy a coffee this morning and I'm going to donate it to the hub. But that should be their decision. So it's it's situations like that. It's a second chance cat rescue. Um, Again, doing great work, but they're now competing. You know, they're they're. basically kind of contracting and, th- and that's what they do with all of these nonprofits is they they contract them for services so that they can get around the constitutional statement there which is you know unless it's for the need of the poor um but again uh, you know w- when andy and i had that conversation you know the the city has a dog and cat shelter so now we're funding second chance cat rescue or or providing funds. We're not funding them fully. But what happens if another cat rescue opens up in town? So we're going to fund them too? Well, I know of a private one that that operates entirely 
independently of those funds. Oh, but, for shame. But the big question, the big question to me is, is taking care of runaway pets, even that, is that within the purview of good governance? No, you're not suggesting that the that city government shouldn't fund a dog and cat shelter, are you, Ken? <laughs> yeah. Ugh, why do you hate cats? <laughs> oh, the list is long. <laughs> But it's, you know, within the budget, it's not just the nonprofits. I mean, it's it's the rent-free buildings that are provided to a bunch of these places. You know, it is the projects downtown. Um, again, I love the amenities as well. But um, what where is government responsible for? You know, I, I've actually had somebody tell me in City Hall, govern, you know, governing body, um, the wealth and health, uh, the the health and welfare, health and welfare. Thank you, um, of the citizens is our responsibility. I don't see that what, at all. To what point do we buy groceries for every individual in town? Well, and yeah, that, I mean, you know, that that's that slippery slope where we go. Absolutely, down. and and so, you know, obviously, we got to make sure that our streets are clear, and we've got to make sure. But but I don't think it's our responsibility to make sure that there's art downtown so that people can be happy. You know, I mean, I want people to be happy. That's, that's me as a person who, you know, wishes the best for, for my fellow human being, but it's, it's not the responsibility of government. You know, what probably makes people happy is having a little extra money in their pocket so that when they get into a car accident or their kid is sick or, um, you know, something happens that they just need an extra little bit and there's a cushion there, it'd be nice to know that they had that. Well, the city's got $6 million in a cushion. I, I don't have a cushion. Where's this cushion? It's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious. <laughs> it's one of the cushions in one of the couches in City Hall. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. have to find it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, cutting them open. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the regular everyday citizen would love to have a cushion. Of six million dollars, or even a thousand dollars, but they don't. And uh, you know, I'm not saying that's the city's fault. I'm just saying that we have to understand why shouldn't we, as a government, have to live very similar to what our citizens have to live like? And we can't just, you know, I mean, I voted against the Impact 307 uh, that same night, and so did I. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, my statement on that, you know, they, they fund Impact 307 as a business incubator for anybody who doesn't know. It started by the University of Wyoming. It's been funded by the University of Wyoming. And then now the county commissioners here in Sheridan have taken on funding it. And the city has also contributed. And um, <clears throat> they cater mostly to, uh, they give free advice to startups. And okay. Uh, that's great. But you know what? I worked for somebody who was a business consultant, basically doing the exact same thing. And they could not sustain business consulting in this town because they can go get it for free at the Impact 307. And there's no way that an, a, a private enterprise can compete against unending funding from the city of, you know, from, from yeah. anybody. Unending funding, uh, unending resources. I yeah. mean... Who who can who can stand up against that when they are solely in charge of their own success or failure? Absolutely. Well, and that's that's precisely the the problem that we see in just about every small Wyoming town is that government is in competition with private business. Absolutely. Uh, Ken, let's uh, let's listen to a little bit more of that. 
be on the move right at you. Yeah. Because that is a great place. And that's one of the shining stars in this community. And you cannot dog the hub on Smith. And well, hopefully, I'm just going to leave it there because it's your guys' show. But I just wanted to throw that out there. Well, there's no reason not to talk about it if that's if that's something that has no, it, got. That comment was grossly unfair. But there's no reason not to beat it some more. I just had to throw that in. <laughs> well, hold on, hold on, just a second, Ken. So, Andy, did you actually dog the Hub on Smith on Tuesday? <laughs> Very specifically, I was asked by a fellow council member if I voted against the Hub. I said, I believe so. Now, why? For the same reasons that Kristen just mentioned, right? Yeah, it was the same reasons. It was just uh, whether or not the it, that was the appropriate application of the people's taxpayers, uh, the taxpayers' yeah. dollars. Okay, let's continue, Ken. It, it's, a, it's a big issue. Right. It, and the thing is, I think why some of the other council and the mayor took issue with it wasn't so much, okay, great, you know, that's your opinion. I'm not happy that's, with funding nonprofits. That's fine, but yeah. It, you, you, when you vote against the budget, you're voting against the entire budget. So, so when you vote against the budget, you vote against the entire thing. So, Andy, let me ask you this. Can you be kind of pregnant? <laughs> well, um, not, well, maybe today you can, but can someone be kind of pregnant? I was going to say, in today's... Uh, today's terms i mean <laughs> who knows no i don't believe you can be no no you're either pregnant yeah. or you're not you i mean there is no kind of pregnant so with the constitution we don't get to pick and choose if it's kind of unconstitutional it's like being kind of pregnant <laughs> it's unconstitutional so talk to me about that again if i'm going to make decisions and i'm going to stay true to what i campaigned on then i have to i have to analyze every decision based on how it fits within the framework that I hold to, and that is the constitutional conservative framework. Um, so, I mean, every decision, and it can be exhausting. It would be so much easier to just arrive, listen to uh, the, the kind words that are said about this or that endeavor, and just vote to approve it all. It's easy to float in a lazy river. Have you ever tried walking against the current in a lazy river? It takes a lot of work. But um, I think that one of the most uh, important things to consider um, about what happened on on Monday night was uh, in in terms of either you're voting for the entire budget or you're voting against the entire budget and everything that it entails... Um, Voting against a budget because you have uh, principled concerns or principled objections based on your paradigm, your foundation, foundational philosophy that you bring in, I don't find any exception to that. But on Monday night, there were two points I wanted to make about that. It, was an, it would be an unreasonable expectation for anyone to have walked in that room that night and expected either Kristen or myself to suddenly start voting contrary to our entire fiscal voting track record before that point. That would be an unreasonable expectation for, to expect us to start contradicting ourselves in that way. It's also, um, there, there was no honest expectation. Again, I say that just if you're being honest with yourself, not a single person in that room expected that budget not to pass. Everybody knew it was going to pass because everybody knew that the number of winning votes that were needed were in the room. 
regardless of how Kristen or I voted. So, um, in other words, what I'm saying is is that um, when you look at the uh, the shock and the surprise and the disappointment, or in one case, uh, offense being taken by a simple dissenting vote against uh, uh, the city budget, a person, if you take those two facts, the two prior facts into consideration of no reasonable expectation that they would change their, their voting track record, and that um, er, even without their votes, everyone knew that the budget was going to pass, if you take those two facts and then look at the reaction that came from other members of the governing body, uh, it's difficult to interpret it any, any way, other way than uh, it, was a, it was a punishment for dissent. It was a dissenting vote, and more specifically, um, or I should say on top of that, uh, the disagreement was because the reasoning behind the dissent, the dissent wasn't forecast in advance, because it's, it's a lot easier to bring a rebuttal if you already know what somebody's going to say. I want to jump into that, because I voted no on the state budget. And the reason I voted no is not because I don't think that white odd employees shouldn't be paid. I didn't vote against every single legitimate expenditure that was mentioned in the budget. It's that 2%, or in our case, it was more than that. But it's almost like looking at, a, at the ingredients on a package of, let's say you go to the bakery and they give you a, a cake and it's got the ingredients on there. Ingredients. I mean, it's well, kind of like you, you know, well, one says, apple spoils the whole batch, right? Yeah. Well, what what if the ingredients is less than two percent strychnine? <laughs> All right. Yeah, I have a I have a little analogy that helped me formulate my uh, my view on the budget, and it's you're. You're with your mom and you're making a, ba- a batch of cookies and you get the batter all whipped up and all the ingredients are in there. But then your mom sends you out for one more ingredient. She has you go to the backyard and grab a piece of dog waste and you bring it back and... We're on cowboy state politics. We can take dog <laughs> can crap. Say poo. <laughs> I, I'm using my words for polite company. I, um, I made him change it and I wouldn't let him tell it on the, on the uh, dais that night. So, <laughs> so you, you watch in horror as she crumbles that, grinds it up and sprinkles it through the batter. And as the cookies are baking, you're still wondering if that really just happened. They're done and baked now. She hands you one of the cookies and says, now, I, I don't worry about it. You probably won't even notice it. There was so little of that in it. And hey, remember, you approved of the majority of the ingredients. You in the... like chocolate chip so, cookies, right? So she hands you a cookie, and the question is, is do you eat it? And I think that that same analogy can be applied to a budget, is if there's something in there that you object to, are you going to... Uh, uh, violate your convictions on y- your philosophy that you bring. Okay, let's be fair, because in a budget discussion at the state level and also here at the city level, you have the opportunity to offer amendments during the budget process. And that's actually what is supposed to happen, is if there's something in there that you object to, you right. offer an amendment. Were any of those amendments offered? No, we didn't offer the amendments at this time, and there was various reasons for that. I mean, part part of the reason that I didn't bring amendments is, listen, when you're when you're coming on to council and you're staring at a ninety-seven million dollar budget, um, sometimes it's it's hard to look at the collection of spreadsheets and values and know where to start. You're staring at a mountain, wondering how you're going to get over the mountain, and yeah, there's. 
there was room that I could have uh, I could have spoken up more. But again, I'm going to go back to my previous statement. There was no um, confusion about my view or my stance on fiscal matters. There was no confusion about this uh, in my previous track or voting record. So there was, if any one of the the people in that room that has paid attention to what has been happening over the last six months were to be asked, what do you think Andy's uh, uh, perspective on, on, on funding is? Um, they would all give the same answer, that he's a fiscal conservative and uh, he has a problem with things that he views to be unconstitutional. No, I don't think that's what their response would be at all. It <laughs> would be, no you hate city workers. That's what they would say. I love the city workers. He votes no on everything. What do you mean? Well, one of the things that the, the guys on, on the show that we're listening to were talking about is they say, well, what's your job? Your job is to make sure stuff runs. I 100% agree. In fact, I want to be the biggest champion of the core duties of the city, the the public works department, the public utilities department, those guys are getting out there. I mean, those guys are fixing water main breaks in negative 20 degree weather. My hat goes off to them. They have my deep respect and admiration for what they do for our city. And I want them to be able to do it and do it better and have the funding and the resources and anything that they need to get their job done. Now, we're giving money to nonprofits, and I know that there's, there's, there's different uh, schools of thought on how you can shuffle money in, in or out of different parts of the city budget, but let's, let's just say hypothetically that um, you can take money that you would have given to a nonprofit and apply it to another, another application within the city. When we're talking about making sure stuff runs in the city of Sheridan. Let's talk about neighborhoods. Let's talk about neighborhoods where there are streets that don't have sidewalks. And in the wintertime, when the snow is plowed up onto the edge of those of side or those yards, there's nowhere to walk except for in the street. We have children walking to school that are walking down the street with traffic because there's no sidewalks. Now, we also have utility projects uh, planned for some of those neighborhoods. If we had some extra money to throw toward those projects, why couldn't we include an element of installing a sidewalk, at least on one side of the road, of, that those kids uh, then could use? And especially if we use a boulevard um, style of sidewalk installation where there's a patch of either rocks or grass uh, before, between, uh, between the back of the curb and the beginning of the sidewalk, then that not only gives place for snow storage, but leaves a pedestrian path so that the kids wouldn't be walking down the street in the middle of winter with traffic. And what does this all come down to? Well, are we using our resources appropriately? So when I see a budget that comes before me and I see these kinds of needs, but we're giving money in, into other places, it's not a big leap to say, um, I don't know if I can approve this. We, we have right beside my house exactly what you described. There's a city sidewalk and then there's a boulevard strip. Inside that boulevard strip, outside the window here where we're sitting right now, there's a cottonwood tree, probably 100 years old. And for the last 40 years at least, it has disturbed the sidewalk such that it creates a trip hazard probably six inches or more. Mm -hmm. It's been there all along. Nobody's ever come and fixed that. And that's the thing that I was reflecting on earlier. I said, I love having the art downtown. I love a lot of the amenities that we have. I love the rhino. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do. But, 
But why don't we take care of the things that we have to do first and do that well before we ever even approach some of these other things? And that, that's what frustrates me is, you know, some of these places we've got all these beautification things and they're nice, they're beautiful. And, and they, they help the overall attitude of the city and they attract people here, which increases tax dollars. <laughs> but I've still got a sidewalk out here that's dangerous. And I'm responsible for shoveling it every day through the winter. Mm -hmm. And if I don't, they come back at me. But if they leave a trip hazard out there, who's, who's the problem? Well, two things. First, had Kristen or Andy voted for that budget, uh, they would have been lying to their constituents because they ran on a platform of reducing spending and fiscal conservatism and, I don't know, doing crazy things like following the Constitution. Uh, they'd be lying to themselves, and they'd be selling out. You know, they'd be voting for something because it's easier. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I've been listening to Sheridan Radio and heard somebody on the city council, not you two, uh, but one of your other colleagues, if you can even use that word, say, well, we have to speak with one voice. That's not how a republic works. So <clears throat> we've actually been, um, the, the night, Monday night, night of the budget, um, Andy and I were both individually taken aside by um, somebody in the governing body and told basically um, that that same thing, which was, listen, you know, you need to consider that um, same argument. If you vote against the budget, you're voting against the employees and you're voting, you know, and Andy and I both made very clear in our statements, listen. I'm not voting against these people. I'm not voting against the actual good things in the budget. I gave them kudos. I said it was actually one of the better budgets that I had seen in two and a half years. Um, and and had there been uh, these items taken care of, I could probably have voted for it. And that was then, you know, well, why didn't you say anything? And I said, listen, here's the situation. I have been on council for two and a half years. In two and a half years, I can count on a half of one hand <laughs> the time that I have brought um, an amendment or a concern and had them say, you know what, you're right, we all agree, we're going to change this. And so it made absolutely no sense in my mind to sit down and go through that budget and say, I now have 23 amendments that I would like to provide. Now, keep in mind that... Monday night was the only opportunity to actually provide amendments. That's right. We had study sessions, but you can't provide amendments at study sessions. So the only thing we could have done was behind closed doors through email um, said, I don't like this. I want to see it changed. It was just a discussion level. It was just discussion. Um, so it wouldn't have been an official change to the to the budget. Right. But. You, you would have to have the votes. And so I thought... I, you know, why waste everybody's time? I realize I'm in the minority here um, and, and past history has shown that to me. So why waste everybody's time bringing all of these amendments? Um, and, and that's the other side of it. You know, they, they continue to say, well, if you're going to bring an amendment or if you're going to bring a concern or you're going to have this concern, you need to bring it up beforehand um, so that there's not any gotcha-style politics going on. Ah, so what they're saying is so the public can't see what you're doing. Absolutely. And so my my thought there, and, I, you know, listen, I get um, there's times where somebody will bring an amendment, 
not me because I, you know, I try to actually live by that. But there's time, you know, you're, you're in a presentation at the moment and something comes up that you're like, wow, I, you know, we probably need to make a change to this. And so you offer an amendment at that very time and, you know, oh, well, we need time to consider it. We need time to think on it. Okay. That's great. Um, but they would have wanted all of that beforehand and okay, I could have provided that. I did. I, I did provide questions. I sent email to, I mean, I had a, I had questions for every department head that, you know, is in the city and um, sent those beforehand, got them answered. They, you know, they, I was really appreciative of that. Um, I'd like to make a point on that. The questions that she submitted led to the discovery of multiple errors, which had anywhere from six to eight or $9,000 uh, uh, changes in the, in the city budget. So I think it was really, uh, really great that you brought up those questions and, and it, it had a positive impact on the budget. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were, we were taken aside, you know, if you're, if you're gonna, um, if you, if you bring an amendment and it fails, then you still should vote for the budget. And I just, I cannot, I cannot wrap my head around that because, you know, I'm going to take it to probably one of the most egregious places here and, and say abortion. Um, and let's say you have a, a bill at the state legislature for pro-abortion. And as a pro-life person, you know you don't have the votes to kill the bill, um, but you might have the votes to make an amendment that would make it less egregious. And are you going to, if that if that amendment fails, are you, are you going to then turn around and vote, vote for the bill? Because, well, your amendment failed and you shouldn't be a sore loser. Um, you know, I mean, I look at that and I'm like, that, that doesn't, you know, uh, you know, well, you need to consider, you need to consider that. Well, that analogy um, shows the logical failure, the logical contradiction of that approach to, to, uh, to voting. But the fact that we were both taken aside separately, you know, in private and, and, you know, given that. Who do they think they are? I guess that's one of the things, because, because I got called into the principal's office down in Cheyenne too. <laughs> it's like we're all representatives. We all represent nine, ten thousand people. We're all, you know, yeah. Granted, some of them have uh, positions of leadership, but that doesn't mean they're more important than somebody else. That doesn't mean that they wield an iron fist. Um, it simply means that they're being a servant on a broader basis than I am. And I've I've said that about um, you know, especially the one cent funding you know, to nonprofits. Uh, in my statement where I voted against some of them and I voted for some of the other ones. And it, a lot of it just depends on the co the constitutionality, what I, you know, what they service is, is um, if what they service is in need of the poor or the suffering, you know, um, if, something if it like aligns with the constitutional <laughs> advocacy and resource government. center, you I'd know, like I mean, that's, that's probably a good, um, I'd like to make a good. point along those lines, please. Cause yeah. we were just talking about, Okay, well, what what does the Constitution actually allow? And um, so the Constitution is set, uh, itself in Article 16 says for the uh, necessary support of the poor. Um, and the other the other document that uh, any council person uh, must have knowledge of if they want to know if they're doing their job properly is uh, uh, Title 15 of the Wyoming Wyoming statute, which uh, Representative Pendergraft just happened to have a collection of a uh, brand new freshly minted copy here and i was able to uh, look through it and um one of the things that always struck me about that was the the 
it's actually in uh, section 1015-1103, paragraph um, XLV. And it says that the towns uh, or municipalities have the right to contract with nonprofit corporations, hospitals, and clinics to provide human services for persons within its jurisdiction. So if we were going to be quite strict in our interpretation of what we're voting to give one cent funding to, it would have to fall under the uh, category of um, nonprofits, nonprofit corporations, hospitals, and clinics. Now, that's three things. Two of them are very similar to each other. So what do you think that when it was making a reference to nonprofits, it was talking about? Do you think it was talking about nonprofits that go around and increase... Uh, I don't know, artwork or take care of cats? Or do you think that by the sheer uh, context of the adjacent language, when it's talking about nonprofit corporations, hospitals, and clinics, and makes a specific reference to provide human services for persons within its jurisdiction, that it's not talking about any of those things that we voted against? Well, there's, there's another larger point that you might be missing. The items in the budget that you guys objected to they're not talking about contracting for services. They're talking about giving 1% dollars to. Those are two different things. I mean, the 1% funds were specifically set up to handle, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Ken, but it was specifically set up to deal with major maintenance, um, unforeseen things that come up in a municipality. It was never designed to give it to nonprofit organizations. Now, we all agree, Article 16, Section 6 says, you know, necessary uh, help for the poor. Okay, we'll give them that one. But where's the dog and cat shelter fit in there? That's that's what I was going to get to is <laughs> in that one it specifically says for humans. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, uh, people do identify as cats now, Ken. <laughs> well, uh, okay. So, guys, gotcha. I appreciate you taking the time <laughs> to sit down and go through all this ridiculousness from Sheridan Media. Um, I guess I'll leave the last word to you. Okay, um, we love Sheridan. We want Sheridan to run efficiently. We want Sheridan to run smoothly. Um, I have kids, and every intention of being a multi-generational family here. Um, All we're trying to do is make the decisions that are right for our great city that are going to help lead to future prosperity and preserving the greatness of this city for future generations such that we don't, at some point in the future, have to find ourselves um, too uh, expensive to live in, having to send buses out to adjacent communities just to get workers. That's not what Sheridan means to me. And that's why I advocate for the things that I do, because I want to try to keep it amazing. And that's how I feel about it. Um, I don't know how you follow that. But, um, you know, I think that I, I completely agree, obviously. Um, you know, called outsider because it wasn't born and raised here. Um, but I, I don't think that makes it any less uh, of a hometown for me. And I know that there are people who share the same concerns that I share. Otherwise, they wouldn't have elected me. Um, And so a lot of times my vote, my no vote, my dissenting vote is for 
the people that um, put me in office to say, this is our beliefs and we want them represented. If we all vote the same way every single time, the people who have a difference of opinion are not represented. I made that very point at the education committee thing, and I was chastised for it. I was called out privately. Um, what do you mean that the people that elected you are not being represented? Isn't your senator sitting right there? <laughs> the point I was simply making was the voice that I know the people that worked hard to get me elected and that voted for me, that they would be saying, the comments that they would make, the perspective that they would take, was not even on the table Absolutely. in two days. Well, and, and you can't, um, you know, well, now, you know, the other statement made to us, now you, rec you um, represent all of the citizens. All of the citizens didn't vote for me. Yes, the, the, the decisions that I make will... Um, for the health and welfare of um, the citizenry should be reflective of all the citizens. But um, at the end of the day, the people that voted for me resonated with my platform, my, my thoughts and my beliefs. And I want that to be reflected in how I vote. And, and for them to know that there is somebody up there who is saying, listen, I've heard you. You've put me in this office to reflect that. And I'm going to reflect it. Well, I don't think that we could end it in any per any better place. Uh, guys, thanks for taking the time to sit down with us. Ken, Andy, Kristen, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you so much. It's really an honor to be here. That'll do it for today's installment of Morning Reload. Coming up this week, we've got a lot of stuff about property taxes. Today and tomorrow in Sheridan at the college, there, the Revenue Committee is meeting to talk about, you guessed it, property taxes. And then Tuesday night in Buffalo at Buffalo High School, Johnson County Commission Chairman Bill Novotny and Representative Crago are putting on a property tax forum where they've got a representative from the Wyoming Taxpayers Association to talk to a bunch of irritated Johnson County taxpayers. My guess is they're going to try to put on just a little history lesson. How do we pay property taxes? Why are they so high? All of that jazz. But I'm told there will be a question and answer period, so maybe these Johnson County officials can explain how exactly they've been spending our money since uh, the 2022 audit really doesn't tell us anything. Except, of course, that whoever put it together is extraordinarily incompetent, at the very least. So anyway, lots of property tax stuff that's happening this week, and I'll bring you the highlights on Wednesday's program. But for now... From the base of the Bighorns in beautiful Buffalo, Wyoming, I'm David Iverson, and this is the one and only Cowboy State Politics.